Don Rahul Jimenez. How amateur is that? Like, you don't even see that down in the park. If they, if they lose, it provides great content. I am supporting every team that plays break. I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my club is. Mudman, thank you as always. Who would you rather lose it to, by the way, me or Johnny? That's somebody's choice. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Sports Battle Podcast. On Monday, the 1st of February, 2021, we are finally out of January. That went on for about nine weeks. That was very long, man. Uh, usual four of us here tonight. Hello, Patrick. Hello. Good evening. Uh, hello, Jonathan. Just trying to compose myself. Hello, everyone. Uh, Darth Mudder. And obviously, the boss man. Hello, Mr. Bratton. Good evening. Um, yes, so you've gathered yourselves in, you little pricks. I see you doing on the pod there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think this could be a, g- a giggly, a giggly pod. <laughs> <laughs> you said that's so cute, there. Like, I think this could be a giggly pod. Um, we sat the president very early. Like. Yes, we're back. Could be, uh, could be a new name for the pod. The giggly <laughs> podcast. The giggly podcast. Um, it's transfer deadline day and. Strangely enough, Liverpool have decided to be quite active today, so I'm sure we'll talk about that. Look like they're going to get two centre-halves in. Um, Arsenal got rid of Mustafi. Chelsea have done all their business, so they didn't need to worry about anything. And there's not really much else going on deal-wise within the Premier League, but there's a couple of hours to go, so I'm sure something mad will happen. A lot happened this weekend, football-wise, and a lot happened off the pitch as well. Messi's contract was leaked, which was absolutely humongous, and he's not happy with that. And then, unfortunately... The ugly side of football still persists. Um, there's been a bit of racism, uh, horrible racism towards some players in Premier League, high-profile players as well, and Rhys James, Axel Tunzabi, and Marcus Rashford, but the name of few, so I'm sure we'll get into that. Let's, um, we'll, we'll talk about that, actually, and just how sad it's been to, to, to start the podcast off with. But and I, I don't know if it's... If it, if it, and, it should annoy people more just because of of the work Marcus Rashford's done in in trying to feed uh, a lot of children throughout the United Kingdom. But then to see him getting racially abused after the game on Saturday night, and we will talk about the game on Saturday night too, uh, was really sad. Like, did they did they actually find out who it was? Like, like was it an Arsenal fan or a United fan or like what? Where, where, that, has, where? that hasn't been released yet. Um, I but I know think he knew, didn't he? He knew, but, but he, he didn't, didn't share. He didn't want to give the name. No, and yeah. like he must have wanted to, you know, give it any sort of publicity or anything. I think that was his sort of view on it. And that's the third uh, Manchester United player. I don't know if it's this week, but recently that's been seriously abused. Anthony Marshall and Axel Tuanzabi. Tuanzabi after the Sheffield United game was abused by, I think, by his own fans, which again. Not to make makes anything sound sadder because all racial 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 abuse is horrific, but coming from one of your own is again it's it's just really heartbreaking or grim sort of seeing that and, and obviously Reese James and Rom Romaine Sayers as well. <laughs> abused. 
like there's been so much and actually the tv's on the background here and, and and the black lives matter adverts on there's been so much done but it just feels like this last week just gone backwards again mm. well whoever their fans are i would probably say they're not one of your own the fact that they'll risk debuts a player from the club they represent you know they're not fans and if, if it does come out somehow, if it's leaked that it was an Arsenal fan that racially abused Marcus Rashford, then whoever he is will get hoofed off the planet Earth because that's just something that we don't stand for at Arsenal. Like, you know, we're a multicultural club and we accept everybody, like, no matter what background or race you come from. Like, so I just think it's a disgrace, especially after last year with everything that went on in America. And, you know, I've seen people online that have been like, right, can we just give this whole Black Lives Matter thing a rest now? Why are we still taking the knee? But this is why they're still taking the knee. It's just, it's still going on. It's ridiculous. Like, why is this even happening? Like, we're in 2021 now, and this bullshit is still happening. It's just really, it's really depressing. Yeah. It's, I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's no accountability. It's, it's just the anonymity that you can get away with on um on social media sites and social media sites are great like um they have so many positives <clears throat> they can you know players can interact with their fans and, and um i was listening to something the day that said these players are so valuable to to these big companies because it gets so many people online and gets so many people engaging and interacting and you know the least that those companies could do would be to regulate it so much better. Um, all they have to do is make people sign up with a passport or some form of identity. And, you know, it might not completely eradicate it, but it would really cut down on it, I think. Um, people aren't willing to put their actual name to some of the horrific things that have been said to these players. Like, And it's not just, it's not just re- recently, like it's, it's been going on for years and years and, and players just deal with it and, and a lot of the time they just don't say anything about it but it, it must be constant you know um, and they have the power to do it because they employ you know hundreds of thousands of people and um, they can find you know I think so, um, somebody said there on Twitter today I can't remember who it was I think it was Liam Toomey said, had retweeted somebody who said um that the Bamford goal had been tweeted out um, from a, an unofficial source and it was put into a WhatsApp group. Um, oh, and yes, within I saw this. That's Twitter. Twitter had found it and removed it. And if they can do that for, I don't know, somebody illegally streaming in a, a Premier League game, I mean, you best believe they can triangulate these people and find exactly who's doing it and, and you know, remove it before it even gets to the players. So it's 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 just a... It's tiring, and you know we're four white men, and um, we're probably not the the best people to be discussing it. You know, in terms of the impact it has, but um, these these companies can be can be doing a hell of a lot more, and they need to start stepping up now because all these campaigns and Jerry's right. Like they need to the, the Black Lives Matter, and um, you know the kick it out, et cetera, et cetera. It's all good having these campaigns, but they need to stick around and, and people need to, to carry out the actual values of it. And it starts at the top and it starts with, with these big companies because they're the ones who, who can control it. Yeah, there was actually 
a brilliant segment on um five live yesterday before the Leeds and Leicester game. Uh, and Karen Carney was on and Neda Manoa uh was one with Steve Crossman and I can't remember who else but they're on and they were talking about what's been going on. And Steve actually asked Nedham, um because Nedham's faced uh, racial abuse f- uh, from the the stands and also via social media, unfortunately. And Steve asked him, like, like what is there a difference? As in, do you feel a difference from it? And and he was saying how on social media you can sort of uh, you can sort of not forget not not forgive it definitely not, but you can sort of get over it a little bit because it's you don't know who it is and they're anonymous and, and whatever. But when it happens. Uh, to your face, like he says, there's a red mist descends on him, and hearing someone say that, like when they're trying to play football, a sport that you love and adore, a sport that I wish I could have even played semi-pro, and he's playing it and then he's facing this, it's really pathetic. Like, and the the, the thing on these social media, and I know Chelsea came out today with a brilliant statement from Roman Abramovich and how they're going to support Reese James and back him, but you're right, like something needs something needs to be done, something tougher needs to be done. It can't and it can't just be suspending an account because you can open an account again. Do you know what I mean? It, it, like you can't just boot someone off and because in, tw- in fifteen minutes they'll have a brand new account and they'll be doing the exact same nonsense again. There has to be stricter protocols. You have to be able to somehow sign in and and be like a sort of a what do they call it a digital passport type thing, where they can be yeah. track and trace. Like you're saying, that's a brilliant idea, and we hope that comes in. But it's just all this hard work that people have been doing, people putting into it, and it just feels like it's gone backwards this week. Um quite quite tragic, like really, to be honest. And and I feel for these players, like, because it's bad enough when you get shite from a fan and he's not talking about your skin, he just thinks you're crap at football. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and you're getting that abuse, that's that's bad enough. Like um and for some reason that's seen as part and parcel of the game. It should just take it. I definitely and I know Johnny wouldn't be able to take that. There'd be people killed if we were playing football and someone was giving me stick or giving you mm-hmm. stick, JD, I know if I know very rightly how you'd react. Yeah, so to, the <laughs> to then have that um of your colour is just it's very it's just a, such a sad moment and hopefully if something good comes out of this that then finally a breakthrough will be made and and going forward the the massive media companies will will stamp this out and if it is fans from their own clubs then hopefully they'll never be allowed within 100 yards of that ground ever again i doubt any of them go to the ground and i doubt any of them would actually as karen carney pointed out yesterday they wouldn't go up and say it to these players faces do you know what i mean the cards that's a lot that's something i've noticed over the last probably two or three weeks is Kieran Carney is still getting abuse online or mm. working in the media. I know it's 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 a different than racial abuse, but it's still abuse. It's still abuse, yeah. I don't I don't get what this is all about. Like, I really don't get why she's getting so much abuse from people. Like it's like I think she's she's a decent pundit. She may not be the best pundit out there, like, but you know, she's not like there's been far worse pundits. And we were talking about one today in our group chat who just because he's a male and does no research whatsoever, but still appears on Sky Sports, and you know it, it. It baffles me, and I think we all know who I'm talking about. Like, but people like that still get jobs because they're male and they're in the game, but yet are absolutely clueless, clueless about what's going on in the current game. Like, and it's just kind of because like, they're safe, Jerry. They're, they're they're safe person to have on because nobody's gonna complain about 
having a middle-aged white man talk about football. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. it's just so safe from Sky Sports. Yeah, especially not one that's played as Johnny said has played. And and top club. And and the fact is that he says things that are controversial that are probably not even true. He doesn't even know anything about certain players or clubs. And Sky will get a reaction from that online and get people interacting with the posts, and that's what they want. But it's just it. Tom Carney, for example, is getting abused in a negative way when Sky are getting these people in and they're lording it because people are like, oh, do you see what he said in Sky Sports? And they're going on to their website or their Twitter page and the views are going up and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. But it just pisses me off. Like, there's just some pundits out there that are absolutely shocking like, and shouldn't be anywhere near TV. Hopefully, hopefully a change will come then, but, um, and hopefully we're not talking about this next week and no, and no more of it's happened, but... We don't know because people are, are morons. Um, another non-football story before we talk about the football boys was uh, someone at Barcelona wants rid of Lionel Messi very quickly, it seems, uh, and decided to disclose his contract that he signed in 2017 to El Mundo in Spain. He's already earned half a billion euros. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy contract. But they didn't, they didn't leak it. They didn't leak it. They didn't do it. Aye, they didn't uh. do it. The paper just happened to get their hands on it amid turmoil and people want them out of the club. Yeah. <laughs> what did you make of this when you saw coming through that he was earning? I mean, it, it's it's every player's right there and whatever, but some of the clauses in it as well, like 500,000 if they get through the group stage or winning certain games, it, it's absolutely mental. Is mm. any wonder they're skint? Well, that they're... it's just him putting on the paper um, kind of what everyone thinks about Barcelona in that he I think it's in a way he has he stayed too long yeah. um, like and I hate making direct comparisons but when Ronaldo left Real Madrid people did um early you know he's still only well, 31 32 or whatever he was um you know he, he still has a certain amount of time left um but it feels now uh, and probably for about 18 months two years that messi has been hanging on and to be fair like <laughs> he did try to leave um but it's um it's got toxic i think and um he knows how much they wanted to keep him there and I mean that's why uh, I think he's had 10 contract extensions in 16 years um, yeah. which is just absolutely insane um, and the more uh, his his brand and, and himself personally grew the more and more he could demand obviously and it's just got to I mean it didn't overly surprise me the money but um, as you say some of the clauses are <laughs> Just unimaginable, aren't they? They're just astronomical stuff for you know for what what people do consider to be the best footballer ever. A signing on bonus of one hundred and fifteen million euros, and then for accepting a renewal and a loyalty bonus, Patrick, he got seventy seven million euros. What? Uh, it's ba- it's baffling, but it's it's sort of a it's a symptom of what Barcelona have been for, you know. A decade. Obviously, they've been incredibly successful over the last ten to fifteen years. But 
Messi's been it's been very much the, the tail wagging the dog. It is Messi FC, not Barcelona. You know, he's consulted over player signings, he's consulted over managerial appointments. You know, he is bigger than Barcelona. They've not become that way. And yes, the man we've spoken about extensively on this podcast, he's a freak, he's a mutant, he's an alien, he's the best player that's ever lived. And, you know, I hold that opinion very strongly. So he deserves to be remunerated for it. But obviously the the leak of this information is very timely for Barcelona. It's coming a week whenever it's been made very apparent that they're over a billion euros in debt and they need to make a payment of roughly a quarter of a billion euros by the summer. So, you know, this is putting it in black and white. Messi, earned, Messi has earned whatever it is, 550-odd million euros over the last four years. Here's the shortfall. Like, you know, it's sort of... It's sort of paving the way for his exit, which is which is sad way for him to end such a spectacular time at the club. But Barcelona has been a shit show, and I see they're now talking about, you know, there's different factions of the club, um, you know, because it's a it's a members club, they make money in different ways. They have mm-hmm. some sort of movie studio and and other things, and they're now starting about talking about starting to sell parts of the club off to to try and fund it. So. You know the whole the whole Barcelona ideal is coming crumbling down, um, and whenever you, as you've clearly outlined, Philly, the uh, you know probably some of the absurdity of some of the clauses in his contract just sort of feed into that, and you know they seem to have themselves to blame Barcelona for creating uh, a really toxic relationship with their best player ever, but also per complete failings in the transfer market in recent years, so. It's 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 strange to say to to say that it looks like Barcelona's time as an elite European club, unless things change, might be coming to an end at least in the in the short term. They can't even afford, not no, they can't they they want they 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 can't afford Eric Garcia for Toxic, and um, from Man City, that they, they wanted Neymar back. They can't get him. They still owe Liverpool. I think it's sixty million for Coutinho. I don't, I don't know, I don't know the ins and outs of a transfer dealing, so I don't know if Liverpool are within their rights to go right, give us him back. Do you, do you know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah. no, didn't, didn't, didn't PSG? They didn't pay all of Louise's first transfer, so Chelsea were like, right, we're taking him back for a smaller fee or something, Brent, didn't they? Remember when he came back? There was something in that, I think. So say that I again. Sorry, you broke up a little. Sorry, sorry. When David Louise left the first time. Chelsea to go to PSG, he came back because they still owed money and hadn't paid it. So Chelsea were like, right, well, we'll take him back then, and they got him back for a smaller fee, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they got him back for, was it something stupid, like 12 million? Yeah, because there was still money owed, and whatever way they worked it out, it was like, right, well, we'll give you 12 million, and we're taking him back, and and PSG, I don't think they could do anything about it. They are like, right, fair enough. 12 million is too much for David Lewis. <laughs> well, he's been on to win the Premier League then. Eight um, million too much. With with, uh, <laughs> with Coutinho, like so, it's it's just mad, and it does a lot of journalists. The minute I've been talking about this, you can see it on online. You can see that the articles are building, and it's going to come that uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona seem to be in real money problems. I think Real Madrid are having to spend like a billion on this new stadium revamp. Now they hope to make a billion back a season or something, Daff. I don't know what they're planning for it like, but they hope to make that back anyway. 
So they're having to spend money, so they're absolutely snookered. Barcelona have just been run into the ground, whatever's going on. Well, we saw what's going on when the contract has been given out. So, yeah, it's strange. Like, it, it does seem like maybe the top two in world football are going to maybe fall behind a little bit. So it's going to give teams a chance to maybe kick on, maybe strike where the iron's hot and be the bigger names then and maybe be more appealing. So, like, Bayern, obviously Liverpool have won the Champions League recently. Man City will be there or thereabouts. Even Chelsea and Arsenal, do they can get in the Champions League and start doing well? They, they can come back up again. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and how and these this... clubs like obviously rely, you know, a lot on uh, the match day revenue because their their stadiums hold so much. You know, their mm-hmm. um, the tours like think of the tours that go through the Camp Nou um, and the Bernabeu. Like whenever I've been there a couple of times, it's always packed and there's just people constantly coming in behind you. Um, so there's a lot of money there that they're losing on as well. Um, maybe probably more so than any other two clubs in the world, I would suggest, because because they, they've become that big brand, and and as you say, they're they're more than just the football side of things. Mm. I, I've always wondered. You see what's happening with Rams and Barcelona now. Like if Man City's owners, and potentially even if Chelsea's owners left. Would they be in a similar situation financially? Would they struggle? Maybe Chelsea not as much now because they've been, you know, successful for what 15, 20 years now. Whereas Man City, I think their owners came in was the 20, 2008, sorry, was it or something like that? But they're just not an appealing club because they're outside of London, whereas Chelsea are in London. But like if, if Man City's owners pulled out, they're, they're not the type of club that's going to, I feel, draw in. You know, a massive, you know, international fan base or whatever, because they're just they're in Manchester and their kits are terrible and they're just a shit club and their stadium <laughs> shit and the, everything about them shit. At the minute, don't know a massive the fan base group, in England even. The, the, yeah. the, their worldwide fan base, I saw a thing the other day, has grown humongously, but that's because at the minute they're being quite successful. They got Pep Guardiola's manager, and they're quite rich. I don't know how loyal. That would maybe be because you've a great point there, Johnny. Where they're having a base, really, really, they're having a base uh, to to build a massive fan base on because the owners are still relatively new into this. They haven't cracked Europe yet, and they haven't got multiple titles behind them. They're they're not they're, they're I don't have they got six or seven league titles. I'm not sure what it is. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens if something like that were to happen. If if the owners just pulled the plug on it, and what would happen then? But, um. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. Actually, be I mean, I would like that to happen. <laughs> I'd like their owners to piss off and and leave them and then be in the lurch because they're so dangerous with with that ownership. But um, yeah, I don't know. Chelsea, Chelsea had a a bigger fan base anyway, and then Roman came in, and then obviously they've had so much success. So I could see if he left, I think Chelsea would be relatively okay. I Where think somebody they? else would buy Chelsea because they are they're based in London. In London. And they've yeah. won the Champions League, and there's more appeal there, I think, with Chelsea than what there is with Man City. And yeah. as well, um, you know, I think, well, because Abramovich has been there for so long, and, you know, we've said a lot of things about the Chelsea board recently, but um, they seem to make good business decisions usually. Um, so I feel like if he ever did pull out, there would be a long-term plan put in place. There would be, you know, um, targets to be met um, before 
you know, he left maybe, you know, two, three years down the line. Where do we see ourselves? Where's the funding coming from before that? Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he actually, and this could just be me being a Chelsea fan, but I feel like he cur- actually cares about where the club goes in the future when eventually, you know, he is going to have to step aside. And um, I, I feel like he would, he would be someone who would put in a long-term plan there. Whereas city owners, they do have that city group. Um, and they've a lot of clubs to look after. They've also, as Miguel Delaney pointed out, that Paul we had on him in first lockdown. And if you're in Manchester lately, you'll notice they've put a lot into the actual city. Do you know what I mean? And Manchester, when I was in Union Liverpool, there was talk of Manchester wanting to become England's second city because it used to always be known as Birmingham was England's second city. And then Manchester wanted to take over that mantle and eventually push themselves to be like, they'll never be the capital of England, obviously, but to be such an important hub. And then the BBC moved up there and other things. So I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I, I, I would, it's not being snobby, but I would doubt the validity of that figure that I saw. I must get it and put it up for us um, of how, how big Man City's fan base is because a lot of them would be fake fans that. That as soon as the next club comes through the rise, they'll bounce on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it seems like a PSG this, this, sort of idea. This is a club who was given buy one get one free Champions League tickets about three seasons ago. Like they're, <laughs> you know, yeah. it is it is a, a generally a small club mentality. Like no disrespect to lifelong City fans, like but you know if you're if you're needing to give away a Champions you League, you got tickets, no fans. There's something wrong. <laughs> well, I, well, I did make that point a few months ago, like. When we talked about big clubs and big teams, like Man City are a big team, they're not a big club. Like they have a great squad and they have big players and that. But in terms of the size of the club, like I don't think they're anywhere near Man United. They don't even touch them. Like, oh, you know, no, nowhere, no, nowhere near. And I don't think they ever will, to be yeah. honest. No, not in our lifetime anyway. Um, the football, though, man. This is the football podcast, after all. <laughs> you can do nothing now, Brenton. Um, You're Patrick, Patrick, and Brenton and John, feel free to jump in here. Patrick, yesterday afternoon, Liverpool were playing in the capital in London uh, against West Ham. Tricky West Ham, actually. Still fifth in the league, doing very well under Moisey. Uh, there's no Salah, or no, there's no Mane, there's no Firmino. Things didn't look great with with a uh, no fit centre half, no fit senior centre half. So Nat Phillips had to play. Turns out he's better than Van Dijk anyway, which is a bonus. Um. But then such a strange, such a strange thing happened yesterday. This football player with God-given talents, the greatest forward we've had that you'll ever see, Patrick, may I add, play for Liverpool, Mohamed Salah produced two moments of utter magic and see Liverpool the game. What were your thoughts on that, Patrick? Well, a broken clock's right twice a day, isn't it, Philly? <laughs> <laughs> you had that road down, you dick. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was coming there. Uh, the, 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 the second goal, Patrick, I know, uh, jokes aside, that was from start to finish, that was brilliant. Oh, it was sensational. It, it, it was unbelievable. Like, to see Salah actually kill a ball was unbelievable. And then the little finish was, was great. It's the best best goal we've scored all season easily and might actually be the best goal I've seen anyone score this season just beautiful like you know when they're when they're putting the clock down in the corner and match of the day you know it's you know it's a superb counter-attacking goal and uh, just beautiful to watch 
I actually thought when Shakiri hit the pass, it, it was like he'd hit it with a sand wedge. It was like, that oh, doesn't look great. But it ended up being just perfect. No one had a break stride the whole the whole move. You know, Trent just bunged it into an area. Shakiri won, you know, one touch. And uh, and then obviously Salah's two touches, but it was it was beautiful, absolutely breathtaking goal, um, which was great to see. I, I suppose I thought uh, that that aside, I suppose again we were fairly turgid first half, uh, didn't create much. Thought probably West Ham maybe, although we bossed the game, West Ham probably had a better chance. But um, second half, uh, sort of last half hour especially, we sort of turned it on, Jones. Brought a bit of attacking in, but there's a bit of running from midfield, and he sort of really created the first goal within within 30 seconds of coming on. Although Salah still had a lot to do, obviously, but um, yeah, very pleasing. We know for, we didn't score for you know four games or so or eight hours, I think it was, and then we've scored six and six and two games, which is very pleasing. Um, and Neville Gary Neville pisses me off. He's been pushing this Thiago. <laughs> Tiago narrative now for weeks that he's basically he's sort of implying that Tiago has made them weaker. And even during the game, he was saying, you know, oh, you know, whenever I played in the United midfield of of Beckham, Giggs, Scholes, and Kane, you know, it was phenomenal. And we brought in Baron, who was a good player, but you know, it just didn't work. And I sort of see parallels with that in Tiago. Like, gives a lot of break. Like, you know, Tiago was basically hacked down by an absolute yard dog at Goodison Park. Was out for two months or so has come back. Obviously, Liverpool haven't been great, but he has been a, a bright light in the midfield, um, albeit playing deeper than we would have liked at times. But the man's beautiful to watch. Like He is an absolute joy. And Gary Neville can go and F himself. Um, because I think now that he's, he's sort of, the shackles are off Thiago a bit, and, and we found out that when Aldum is, is capable enough in the sixth role, Thiago can go and just do Thiago things. And, and, and that makes me very happy. What did you two make of it? Like, what, 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 uh, myself and Patrick can obviously be biased because it's our team. But what, what do you mean, like Johnny? What do you make of this? I think we touched on it before, but this Thiago nonsense that he's going to slow things down Liverpool. He's not, he's not that type of player under Klopp. Um, he's not the right type of player, sorry, under Klopp and and all this here. I, th- I find it a laugh, like, but um, I'm just interested to see what you two think. Well, he's been injured a lot. Um. I haven't seen a great deal of him play for Liverpool, to be quite quite honest. Like, but like, is you know, his his record speaks for itself. You know, the the clubs he's been at and how well he done with Bayern Munich. Um, obviously, like he had that spell was it like five games he hadn't won while he was playing for Liverpool, which you know Thomas Partey didn't win his first two games for Arsenal. Like you know, so whatever. Like you know, he's going to improve the Liverpool midfield. It's been a difficult season for Liverpool. Like not just Thiago. Um, you wouldn't think it where they are in the league, but you know, the fact they've lost all a few players to injury now, you can't really I can't remember the last time Liverpool really had their strongest eleven on the field. Like it might have been the Everton game and yeah, like Pat said, you friggin' lost two of your best players in Van Dijk and, and Thiago that day. Like so I don't know, maybe maybe Gary is just a wee bit jello. Um you know, Liverpool saw I guess the kind of you know cheat tag on him sometimes like but Bruno Fernandez is a diving wee bollocks and you know <laughs> he, he, he doesn't he doesn't say anything about Bruno Fernandez like so um uh, I wouldn't let Gary Neville annoy me too much. He um he gets ripped out by Jamie Carragher enough on Twitter so whatever. Whatever guess. What do you make of a Brenton? 
the, I think the re- the real obvious thing is is that Thiago's playing in a midfield that isn't Liverpool's midfield really because the other two are playing center half. <laughs> yeah. So you would you would think like you would think professional footballers would see that though. <laughs> you would think, but there's there's biases in these worlds. Yeah. <laughs> That we live in, and you can see it's so obvious. Like the likes of Gary Neville, Roy Keane, um, once United start to show a wee bit of form and a bit of um, look like they're going to do something, then you know they're right back on the on the gravy train. Like, um, so yeah, uh, that's and you know, I don't I don't mind it. Like because all those ex players, to a certain extent, they're going to be loyal to uh, to their own team. So. Um, I wouldn't overly take notice of that. Um, but I think with Thiago, he, like, we also forget that he's also coming into a new league. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's uh, it's certainly an excuse that's been, been given to the new Chelsea boys as well. Um, and I haven't heard anyone say that about Thiago. Uh, you know, I've just uh, heard the, the negative rhetoric around him. And, uh, you know, coming into let's face it, a, a really um, disturbed Liverpool team in in terms of the first eleven. I think that was maybe their twelfth centre back pairing or something in in the last um, yeah. twenty yep. games or something. Um, which is, I mean, it's just stupid. Um, and the fact that they're they're still where they are on the table speaks volumes to to the quality in the squad. But um, I think it shows you that the two centre halves on. Uh, at the weekend there um, or no sorry uh, Henderson and Fabinho um, it shows that when they're playing centre half and they're that good when Thiago's able to play with those two uh, in a midfield three or you know be it Wijnaldum and Henderson or Wijnaldum and Fabinho or whatever it is you're going to see his quality a whole lot more um, and I think he'll be able to and also you're missing Jota too, like which you know you'll be able to to see those boys playing off each other, and um, I think you'll just see him improve and improve. But from what I've seen of him, he's he's been good. I think he's uh, he's certainly very good against us. Um, played some some lovely passes, and um, the quality never never goes away. I think he he'll be a great addition to Liverpool squad, and if they do get back to um, I know Van Dijk's not going to be back, but if you know if they do get looking like they're first eleven sometime soon, I think they'll they'll shoot right up the table, and he'll he'll have a big part to play in that. We could potentially see Fabinho and Henderson. I don't think we'll see both of them go in the midfield very soon as Liverpool will assign Ben Davies from Preston, which came absolutely out of the blue. Um, and is unreal for him. Fair play to the lad, and hope everything goes well for him. And it looks like they're going to be signing Ozan Kabak. Uh, from Schalke, uh, I don't, I don't really know how many nudes Michael Edwards seems to have on everyone in football, but uh, it seems to be a lot because the man can strike a deal. I don't know how Schalke have agreed to this, where they give us potentially their best centre half on loan to the end of the season, and if we don't think he's good enough, he goes back, and by that stage <laughs> they could be relegated because they have Mustafi at centre half. I, I can't explain that transfer. I think that's a great transfer. 
So not an obligation to buy, no. I thought there no, was an obligation to buy. No, it's not an obligation. It's a an option. An, op- an option. Oh right, okay. Well, yeah. Then that's I, I read that wrong. Then that's um that's fantastic bit of business. <laughs> yeah, I think it's unreal. I, I think that the real the real thing here is not that he has nudes on someone. I think it's just Mustafi has nudes on someone and just manages to get a contract anywhere he fucking wants. But fair play to Mustafi's <laughs> help Reds out there massive. Big big fan of Mustafi now to be fair to him. No big fan of him now too that he's playing for Shelf. They've won one game all season, yeah. And it's going to be the only win because there's no bloody chance they're winning the game ahead of centre back. Ah, they're dust. <laughs> they are dust. They are Thanos dust. Um, Johnny, Saturday night, I I didn't get to see the game live. Um, but you were obviously given a not a bit of a run comment. You just <clears throat> given the odd pointers as to what was going on. Yeah. How did how did the game go? Uh, for the users of saw it, sorry lads, if anyone else saw it, jump in here. How did the game go? And like I know you hit the bar and got quite close. Cavani had a chance and Martial I think had a chance for them as well. So it was Rashford side. So it was quite tense, but there seemed to be a lot of backlash on social media. That was that was a crap game, but I don't know. Was it crap or? Well, Arsenal had seventeen shots on goal and United had fourteen, so. I mean, like oh, it was, it, it was an all right nil nil. I think, I think in the end, really, a draw was a fair result. On reflection, like William had a golden opportunity, he should have buried it, and of course, the useless hit shit couldn't score. <laughs> but uh, and Pepe had a good opportunity as well, like you said, uh, Cavani. Geez, I don't know how he missed it. it was hard in the mouth stuff there. Um, it's very strange. Like I mean, obviously, Fred. Fred had a was had a great had a shot saved by um, by Leno, which was a great save I thought. But yeah, it was it was an alright game. I think I think Arsenal maybe probably would have been the more happier with the draw, considering like we were missing three of our best players. And you know, we're we're going into this game, you know, at the start of the week they probably would have been high on confidence, and then Sheffield United took a bit of wind out of the sails. But it's um, I think we're we're starting to see the downward spiral again of Man United, and I know. Uh, People have commented to me about how much we hate Man United in this podcast, but it's because you're a ball in the shower, people. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think Bruno Fernandes should have been sent off as well. But I'm sure United fans will argue that Gabriel should have been sent off to Old Trafford, but I don't really care about that. That'd be a <laughs> Fernandes didn't even get booked for sticking his studs in the, in the granite jacket. So I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, you obviously didn't see the game, so you're maybe not... I haven't seen the incident like what I wonder if the other lads have seen. I've seen I've seen Fernandez's <laughs> tackle. There's my dog. Quite you. Hi, um, I've seen I've seen Fernandez's tackle. Um yeah. Um it's bad like and it, it's not it's, is it even a foul? Does he get a foul? And just the, not yellow? Yeah, I refute, reviewed it and give nothing. Um I also thought the Harry Maguire, you know, Harry Kane incident. Billy Donald and Lacazette near the end, which friggin' near Tim Lacazette completely out of the whole face of the earth. Uh, was a bit ridiculous as well, like, but he's English, so you can't say anything about it. There you go. Sorry, that's just me letting the dog out. <laughs> was... Brenton, you said last week how the point I always make, you go the way to the top six and you get a draw and you're happy enough. And that's grand. But Manchester United... 
ha- um, they're not winning the games at home against the top six. So if I was a United fan, I'd maybe start to be worried by that. Yeah, I think it's um, it's sort of <laughs> they may be coming uh, down to reality a wee bit. Um, I think they've yes, the memes have stopped. Hmm. This top six this season and the rest have been nil nils and one of those goals was against Spurs in the six one drumming. So, um, it's I think I think it was Carragher um was talking about this and he said uh, he would be more annoyed at the Arsenal game if he was a United fan rather than the Sheffield United game because uh, they didn't really go for it. They didn't look like. Uh, they really were in a title race. Uh, they were sort of happy enough, I think. Um, Fred and McTominay started again, didn't they? And and that's the. Uh, I think that's you see Ole's attitude as from his starting team. It's it's nearly the most obvious thing in football at the minute. Like if he starts Fred and McTominay, you know it's against a big team, and you know that he's happy to sit, and they're probably happy enough to get a draw, and that. Mm-hmm. Arsenal probably knew that as well once they saw the starting team. Um, so that's why Arsenal probably went after it a bit more. As Jetty said, they had more shots on goal. I mean, uh, they had a couple of big chances. I know United did too, but um, the William one, yeah. Um, Lacazette's free kick was, was very close as well. Um, and... <sighs> You know, I probably encouraged Arsenal to, to go after United a wee bit once they saw that starting team. Because Arsenal, you know, they were missing three big players. Three, you know, big players in, in recent weeks. Three in-form players. So, um, if anything, that was an opportunity for United to, to go after Arsenal even more so. And Ole didn't. And, you know, I think <sighs> months ago we, on this pod, uh we weren't sure about Ole, um, to put it in in no uncertain terms, um, and we we didn't think he was up to the job. And to be fair, to a certain extent, he's proved us wrong. And uh, United have had a great turnaround, and he's managed that squad well and got some big results. But I do think um, the Tottenham results put a bit of fear in him, and. They're not quite at that level yet to to go and beat the big teams and, and really challenge. And the only reason we're seeing them up there is because Liverpool have had so many issues. And, and I genuinely do believe that. I think United will probably finish in the top four this season, but they're still a bit off Liverpool and Man City for me. That's is it. Do you, would you both agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I, I don't want to seem like I'm being very critical of Man United. Like, I, they have been on a great run, but they were on a great run with Solskjaer before and fell off the face of the earth again. Like, you yeah. know, and yeah. they just, I don't, like, I know some United fans haven't won over by him, but he, he, I just don't rate him. I don't rate him at all. Like, I don't think he's a great manager. And yeah, like, Liverpool have been, had their problems. And I think if Liverpool were at full strength, then United wouldn't even be sniffing the top of the table. Like, so, um, it's it's just kind of an uncertain year, but I just I just don't rate so sorry. Like I don't rate him at all. If it wasn't for Bruno Fernandez either, like they'd be I don't know where we where Arsenal and Chelsea are in the league. Like so, 
they've whatever ways you know they can we're not, we're not we're not that really critical we're just we're just kind of you know saying what we see and what we feel like you know we have give credit to Man United over the last couple of weeks for playing well like but it just shows like in games against the big teams the top six what they're called like top five maybe but um that was a game that they should have went out and attacked Arsenal and went after us like because we were missing Saka missing Aubameyang missing Kieran Tierney yeah. and uh it was a real opportunity for Solskjaer to go out and make a point and to be like, well, we're not afraid of the big teams. We're going to go after them. We're going to beat them up their ground. And I just felt like he didn't really do that. Yeah, I t- t- totally agree. As well. Like, I think, uh, you know, we do, uh, well, maybe it seems like we bash United a lot in this podcast and maybe we do, but, um, you know, we, we've been saying on this for, here for weeks, they can't win the league. They're nowhere near good enough. And I think even United fans could recognise that. I think Gary Neville came out and said something today that basically, you know, to, to the effect of the regress and to the mean and the party's over, you know, Liverpool's we've lips over and, you know. But United, they're just not good enough. Like Maguire, I don't think, uh, we've spoken about this Paul before, I don't even think he's in the top 15 centre-backs in the league, let alone, you know, <laughs> be, being a title winner. Like, I really don't. And then... You know, look at the spine of their team. I know Fernandez is an exceptional player. Do not get me wrong, but Fred McTominay are average midfield players, and then whoever spearhead in your attack, Cavani. You know, Cavani, who's still a great player but passes best, or Martial, who's one of the most temperamental footballers you'll ever see. So they have good talent dotted around. Like Fernandez and Rashford would get in, you know, most sides uh, without question. But I just think the rest of their team is just distinctly average and. I think we'll be happy enough secretly to, 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 to sort of solidify a Champions League spot this year. And I actually wouldn't even be surprised if they slip out of the top four. I'm saying that. <laughs> well, I would actually say probably one of the best things about that game on Saturday was um, Gary Neville doesn't know how to mute his mic because he had to whisper to Martin Taylor through the mic that Cavani and David Luiz play by each other, PSG. Um, but that that was quite entertaining. Yeah. I don't know if any of you seen that, but I was like, Gary... <laughs> I saw you clip of that on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if they'll they'll finish top four myself. I just, if I was an United fan, I would just worry that that Solskjaer dip that he's had the last couple of seasons is uh, is coming. Um, so I just I just keep an eye out for that. And but a fellow Babel member, um. Steve messaged me the other day and he won't mind me saying this. He he firmly believes that Ferguson is pulling the strings in the background and that Solskjaer's just the front man. Um which was I laughed my head off when he sent that. And and that's he's not the first Manchester United fan that had said that to me. Um a few others have said that, so I mean, who knows? But yeah, I I don't know. I would just they how, need... how, how do you think would finish in the top four ahead of them? Because like as much as we bash them, I think they'll still finish top four. I think Chelsea will so come up on the come up yeah. on the rails. I really do think that if they even get it I, slightly right, I think I, they can they can get past United. Um, we'll talk about Chelsea now, like, but I I, I think uh, Tammy Toots, Mister Tuchel, um, will bring them forward, and and I think they'll, I think it'll actually be very close, the top four, and it'll be very close who wins it. I don't I don't see one of the teams streaking away. At the minute now, Liverpool could get chinned here by Brighton on Wednesday night, and then chinned on Sunday by City, and that be it over for Liverpool anyway. Just Man City, but I, I, I honestly don't. I think there'll be ourselves and City, 
will will go after each other, and then I think Leicester will probably be okay in the top four, and then I think the top four battle will be it'll be amazing, and and I I think as like Patrick that it'll be Chelsea that come through in the end. It's too much talent in that Chelsea team to not be. And I think, I think they will shit themselves again. You see, I, I think, think Rodgers will learn from fit. that. Yeah. I yeah. think that's the key. If Vardy's only out for a few weeks and he stays fit for the remainder of the season, I think they can do it. If Vardy uh, is out for a little bit longer, I think they're going to struggle because there's a big drop from Vardy to either Ayuso Perez or Kalechi Iheanacho in my eyes. He's just so important to that team. What do you think, Brenton? What do you, what do you think of Chelsea's chances for top four? Do you, do you see yourselves being the team that breaks into it? And what do you make of yesterday's performance and Mr. Marcus Alonso, sir? As I texted you yesterday after he scored, chaos club. Um, <laughs> it it just um, it just epitomised um, <laughs> Chelsea in like the last year. Um, after Alonso was uh, stormed off at half time against West Brom, um, he didn't see the light of day again under Frank Lampard. Um, and you know, to a certain extent, to a certain extent, fair play to him because we didn't see anything from him publicly and uh, we didn't hear a lot from anyone saying he was disrupting um you know his name never came up it was always the likes of rudiger's name came up um so you know i think he he came out uh, after the game he was asked in an interview and, and he said i just like to do my talking on the pitch and you know obviously everyone started um at the same level under Tuchel, and um, he he saw something in Alonso for that game. Um, I think he was right in that Burnley were going to set in, and they did. I think that one shot on target in the ninety fourth minute, um, or one shot at all, maybe it was. Um, it was really it was a dominating performance, and he, you know, Tuchel probably knew that Chelsea were going to get get up and down a lot, get the wing backs um, high up the pitch. Um, and we know that Alonso's good at that, just in just from his previous record. Um, and yeah, he, he got himself in a, a great place and uh, took his goal superbly. Um, and the same with with Aspilicueta. You know, he he made like a seventy eighty yard run, got on the end of it, and, and finished well. Um, Chelsea were good; they, do, they dominated the game absolutely. Um, I think it was really important what Tuchel said after the game about uh, the defender scoring. He said, "Hopefully that gives the attacking guys a bit of a bit of a message um, that they do need to be stepping up now. They do need to be um, getting used to the system he's playing, the the positions that they need to be in to um, convert these chances and actually then go ahead and convert them." Because um, Werner missed the chance, Pulisic missed the chance. Um, uh, I think. Mount maybe missed missed a good chance as well. So these are all players you would be expecting to score uh, rather than your your defenders. So um, it was a, a, an overall positive performance. But um, I think Burnley were poor as well. Um, they definitely weren't the Burnley that played Liverpool and Aston Villa and, and beat both those teams. So Chelsea didn't um, allow them to though. I, I, like yeah, and I'm, I'm like. I'm being honest, Chelsea were, were very good. Just and this Chelsea team have been good. They were good, very good under Lampard as well, and in certain spells and certain games. So I'm not going to read into it too much. And Tuchel's only been there like not even a full week yet. 
but <laughs> they were excellent against Burnley. Um, and even though he didn't score, Werner, he looked, I don't know, he brighter? did look better. Yeah, yeah. He, he looked, he looked even um, more involved in the game. Um, I think it's a slight change of position, nearly like an inside forward. Um, off off the front of of Abraham, um, and he seemed to get a, a lot more ball there, and he was arriving at the right time. Um, I mean, he he really should have scored his chance. It, it's a, it's the type of thing that if if Werner was confident at all, he, you know, he would slot it away. You've seen it do him do it so many times yeah. at Leipzig. Um, so once he gets one, um, and has a, a good positive game with it, um, I feel like he will come good. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's um, it's a big game on Thursday, especially now that Spurs are, are coming off the back of um, two defeats. Uh, both both teams are in a position where they need to win, so that so I think that'll be a really interesting game. It'll be interesting to see tactically what Tuchel does this time. He's obviously gone three at the back um, in his first two games and and pumped um, pumped up the uh, the wing backs and 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 just a shout out to. Hudson Odoi, I think he's been absolutely fantastic, and he created so many chances against Burnley. And it looks like he's he's maybe going to get a final, um, a run in the team, which would be great for him. Um, so yeah, looking forward to seeing what he does again on Thursday. Big game on Thursday as well. You'll want to hammer the nail home on Mister Jose Mourinho, um, and if that's a an absolute handling session, it could possibly be his last game as Spurs manager. Um. <laughs> I want to, before we move off the football, I just want to, I think this society's already been started and I'm pretty sure Paddy Renshaw is part of it. But I'd like the the, the babble to form a Stuart Dallas appreciation of Paddy because I watched the Leeds yesterday and he played in midfield and he was absolutely sensational and it was lovely to see someone close from home running a Premier League game like he did yesterday. Avengers assemble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a mutant. Like he's unbelievable. Um, and I, I gotta say, there's been Irish league players who have left, and you know, and maybe who haven't left, and you think maybe could go on to to, to bigger things. Dallas, when he when he left here, I didn't necessarily think he would go on to be a to be a you know a, an excellent Premier League footballer. But he has just grown and grown through every club he's been at. And, you know, as with Northern Ireland, Leeds are just slotting him wherever. And he has been incredible. He took his goal superbly well yesterday. He was played a big part in uh, Harrison's goal as well. Yeah. He's just unbelievable engine and uh, just a tremendous footballer. And by all accounts, seems to have a, a brilliant a brilliant attitude as well. So, um, yeah, great to see someone from here doing so well and, you know, as yeah, I'd like to say, the biggest, biggest uh, league in the world, and uh, I do love him. Yeah, I do love him. I would definitely make him a cup of tea and uh, watch TV with him or something. Oh, I'm sure you would, <laughs> sir. Um, if he was yeah, four, I'll, I'll, sh- go ahead, shout go ahead, out to Bamford in that game as well. I think Oof. he was fantastic. That strike was unreal. Did he um, used to play for Chelsea? Uh, uh, well, play for Chelsea. I don't well, know if you're played. He's at the academy. The academy, yeah. But something, yeah. there's something. I heard a stat the other day. Something like seventy-three percent of footballers have, have spent time at Chelsea during their career at some stage. So, 
It's no surprise <laughs> that Bamford's in that seventy-three percent of all footballers. <laughs> Spend their time pissing on the front door. I'd say, yeah, but. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love the lengths you're going through not to curse <laughs> I'm, try- I'm really trying I really am trying <laughs> uh, yeah on Dallas he's just if he was four or five years younger I think I've said this before Jurgen Klopp would spend a lot of money on him a you, lot you've of got money Milner. like what, what's the difference well if Dallas was four, uh, younger and quicker he is quicker Nobody be five years younger, John. Like, do you not? What do you not understand with the concept the, of age here? Right? If someone age, is younger, is they're younger. They're, ach, shut your face. <laughs> um, yes, the Stuart Dallas uh, Football Battle Appreciation Society has just started, and hopefully we get him on sometime in the podcast. So, if anyone knows Stuart or Stuart, if you listen yourself, well, on talk to us. I know Stuart. We'll talk about this afterwards. Patrick will make you a lovely cup of tea and then we'll just we'll promise you he'll you leave you alone, but he mightn't. Um <laughs> yes. So just to take away from the football for a little bit. One division. Or is anyone else watching it apart from me and Johnny? No, I think no, your right. description of saying it was like an acid trip definitely put me off. Uh, it absolutely put me off as well. Uh there's about a tumbleweed going across the, the podcast virtually there. Can you ask that question? <laughs> Johnny, what? I'm going to curse because uh, <gasps> no, right I'm the oldest here. What the flip is going on with that show? What is going on with it? Tell me what is going on. Right. Um, I need to swear for you because that was pathetic. Right. What the fuck's going on? Right. You know, <laughs> is, that, is, that, is, that what you, is that how you swear in your house now? What is that? Yes. That's yeah, how you're supposed to swear in the Bible. You moron. Oh. Oh well, there's a there's a fine. Anyway, uh, back, to, <laughs> back, back to the original question. <laughs> uh, um, um, it's it's getting um, it's getting quite good now. Like I thought the first two episodes were a bit new, but it's um, it's getting good. I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm kind of like liking all these wee references to the movies and stuff, and seeing all these characters come in that were in the movies and all before. Like it's it's good. Um, I'm kind of excited for Friday. Really, really buzzed for it. I don't know about you. Like I like. Do you enjoy an acid trip or? Uh, I didn't think I would, but I've enjoyed the last four. Oh. Um, so I'll give it another whirl again on Friday, but it, it is such a strange... I don't want to talk too much about it in case people are watching, but it's such a strange program. Like, I, I, Patrick and Brett, have you learned anything this week? Um, read anything yes. or anything you want to bring up? And, oh, Patrick, what have you got into? If this is Desperate Housewives, I swear to Christ, you'll not be back on this podcast. <laughs> don't be dumb, don't... Don't be silly. I've 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 already had my fill of the <laughs> You've completed it. I've seen it a couple of times. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I this is slightly more manly. Started watching The Sopranos. Watched first oh, episodes, yes. and I've been really really loving it so far. So yeah. I can't wait to to get into that. And regarding books, I finished uh, a book called The Last Amateurs, which was about Ulster's nineteen ninety nine Cup winning team. I actually will give it to you because I know you do some stuff with Ulster games, Philly. You'd really enjoy it. My cousin uh, Murdo was in that squad. Oh yes, yes, that mm-hmm. name was mentioned. Yeah, Murdo. Um, yeah, yeah. So a very, a very good read. You'd, you'd enjoy the book. Um, it's all just about, uh, basically it happened during that period of professional, professionally, professionalism coming into rugby, and uh, yeah. that's why it's called the Last Amateurs. But uh, yeah, very good. Very good. What about you, Mister Brenton? 
keeps keeping on the masculine theme. Um, I have rewatched all the Bourne movies this week. Oh, Holy Ghost! Did you say Bourne or boring? Because I find the Bourne films boring. Oh no, Jenny, you're so wrong there. Like he's just have... he's a, he's a washed up shitty James Bond, and I'll hear nothing more about. Ah, oh, it's more oh, complex than James Bond, like. No, that's James disappointing Bond, from you, James Bond's good, but like you know what's happening? Oh, I'm James Bond. Look at me. I'm unreal. I'll hoof two of those women. Look at all my guys. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Someone gets kidnapped. I have to go and save it. Bang, bang, bang. Ends. And it's James so Bond like is never in adversity. Never. Never in adversity. Like. Look, I'm just being. I'm being controversial. Um, it's my opinion, and if you don't like it, well, tough teddies. <laughs> I actually <laughs> born. I actually really like the born films, Brenton. Big up, respect you for that, brother. Um, yeah, they're um, they're see, like if you haven't seen them in a while, I would recommend just going watch, back and watching them like all in a row because there is a great storyline there. Don't listen to Jedi. No, there's not. He's That's lying. actual good life advice <laughs> in general. I tell you, I tell you what, yeah, caught me out our, like our podcast slogan. <laughs> Don't listen to Jedi. Don't listen to Jedi. I'm intrigued. Uh, Jedi just said something caught him out, and I, I'm intrigued to find out what it is because it kind of sounds. The image I have already in my head is maybe like a number two, but there was no toilet roll. But what are you? What are you going to tell us? <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that was actually a close call during the week. But we don't, we don't want to get into that one. That's a bit dumb. Um, so I, I seen this thing on Twitter yesterday, and it was like a Harry Potter thing. Like they were all like. Uh, how the wee details Harry Potter went into and like the circle like this thing in the background and I'm like I zoom it in like what the frick is this and then like I went and read the comments you know because I'm like I can't see it <laughs> trying to figure out what it was and uh, yeah it turns out it was just uh, Robert Patterson standing in the middle of the scene he wasn't in in like his Twilight costume and it's so plain as day I felt like an absolute dickhead but <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try. I'll try and find it for you, and um, I'll tag you. You got roasted. Absolutely roasted. I was like, that little bollocks got me so good. Um, I think that'll do us this week. We've the the two lads have a bonus podcast in the can with Mr. Tim Gallagher, as uh, some of you will know from the Dirt Silver podcast and other things. He's very good, very funny, and an absolute gentleman. Um, I have a new piece written and has just been finished, and the two people that edited it <laughs> have come back and confirmed that it's good to go. So that'll be up later on in the week. And we'll have more podcasts coming as well, so keep we'll keep them going. And if you can, folks, I, I got some really lovely messages over the weekend um, from people that are going to be signing up to the Patreon uh, and that listen to us uh, and I appreciate them all and we all do so thanks very much check out our Patreon at Breton do the link I always forget it patreon.com forward slash the sports bubble it's only a pound a month um, that you can fire in it, 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 it's, it's a little amount but it all helps and it'll help us grow um, down the line and we'll be able to do more things better things bigger things hopefully so um keep them coming and a lot of our bonus stuff will be going up on patreon first for you you'll get it a day or two first uh, and then even down the line it might be locked and it'll be patreon only we, we don't know but this is the start so we're, we're trying to get there so if you can please help us um and catch all our podcasts on your podcast app very simple just look for uh the sports bubble 
and get us on our Instagram and our Facebook and our Twitter at the Sports Babble. Uh, Patrick, thank you very much. Thank you, sirs. Breton, as always, thank you very much. Good chat, lads. And Cousin Mud, thank you for not cursing as much. You've been here very well tonight. Thank you very much. All the best. <laughs> All right, good luck.